0: This is the best of two pros in a couple of Joe with Lavar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio.
1: I believe that we are uh, nine or ten shows in a row that we've had to dump something. Like I mean, we have been a on a roll, yeah. A hell of oh, a run. Hey, what
2: what did we have to dump yesterday?
1: Well, Roberto, <laughs> Roberto, Roberto dumped himself. Uh, I don't know that he necessarily needed to, but uh, Roberto
2: dumped himself. I said that not, one more time? I didn't Roberto understand what, what he, he said.
1: Uh, he dumped himself. He's uh, it.
2: You know, well, there we go. Okay, we go. okay I mean, that's, that's not yeah. what I meant. Yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of
3: right. funny. That's, <laughs> I'm glad Berto was there with you because I'm like, wait, wait. that's because uh, Clearly that's where
2: Brady was. Clearly. If you told me yesterday yesterday like oh i had to dump myself because you got the red button i would have been like uh, like so what'd you do where were you at when it happened yeah you know i've 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 been thinking about like your your pants or something yeah yeah. side of the road i
3: I am clearly learning that that is a part of your humor your humor train like oh yeah. yeah yeah instead of like the red button dump like dumping as in something else, like like squatty potty dumping.
1: Yeah, LaVar and I are a little bit more professional than
3: that. Where yeah, really I, I tried to, to keep it a little bit above and, board, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Brady Brady likes to take it low, you know what yeah, I mean? I but just, I like it. Yeah, I like, just, it creates yeah, balance.
1: I don't know why we can't just have a you, know, you an know? adult sports talk radio show here. I don't know why we always well, got to go to the toilet.
3: Technically, I mean, what Brady uses as humor is adult humor, Yeah, you know? Well, and... Yeah. and so, oh, wow. It's so (laughs) airy. I know. It's just such an airy (laughs) deal. It's then I find myself like <laughs> comparing it, like when I'm at home oh, by myself, man. I'm like, which one do I fall under?
1: I just, here's the thing, though, depending on what was what happened the night before, you can't be certain that that's a, a drop or in real time. Depending on uh, mm. what Lee and Roberto have gotten into the night before, that is true. I just look at the door. See, the door is cracked <laughs> so, right now, so there's clearly some
3: real stuff going oh, on man. back there. It's so sometimes good. you can even see the fumes, like the way that the the windows. <laughs> Are tinted. You could sometimes see the fumes coming yeah. up. Uh, it's not
1: good. Yeah, it's not good at all. No. Um, but yeah. uh, here is Very a. Very hot. Here's what is good. Um, you Spicy know, air. Bold uh, bold strategies in the uh, in the world of sports. Different approaches to certain things. Um, and uh, Kyler Murray's agent um, took a, a completely different approach uh, yesterday uh, when it came to, and this happened right after we went off the air, uh, when it came to letting it be known that maybe they would like a contract extension or that maybe they would like to work something out long-term with the Arizona Cardinals. It's been kind of a weird past couple of weeks for uh, Kyler and the Cardinals. And, um, basically a three-parter. Part one of his statement on social media, uh, he talked about uh, Eric Burkhardt, uh, Kyler Murray's agent, talked about where the Cardinals were and where they are now with him. Uh, he's not wrong. They were a bad organization and a bad franchise. They've improved every year with Kyler Murray. Then in part two, he came up with a plan and a strategy to get Kyler paid and it, to also make it make sense for the team and some other players on their roster. And then part three, basically put all the pressure on the Cardinals to figure this thing out and then also reiterate uh, what they have in Kyler Murray. And so here we are. Uh, they have uh, laid it on the table and just said, uh, this is what we're thinking. This is so everybody knows what's going on. And uh, now we wait to see what the Cardinals response is. Uh, pretty unique strategy here. Mm-hmm. I like can,
2: it. Can I ask this question, though? Like, I found it to be incredibly reasonable. And Eric Burkhart, who's Kyler Calamari's. Calamari. He's uh, Calamari. <laughs> who's, who's Kyler Murray's agent. he's He's been known for a while. He's a really good guy. And anyone who's met him would would tell you that. This looks to me to be, I I don't want to say like a desperation play, but it feels that way because you'd think behind the scenes, you're maybe having some productive talks or there's been some momentum. And I don't think you let this stuff go public unless you can't even get a call back. I mean, it feels to me like, Maybe Steve Keim. I don't know if Michael Bidwall is involved in the process. I, I would assume an, an owner is when you're talking about an extension that's going to be north of 150 million, 200, maybe 200 million. I, I saw in one figure the market value for a six-year deal for Calamari is 258 million, which comes out to roughly 42 million a year. So, if, if that's the sort of money you're talking about investing into a, a, a player of course the owner's going to have to be involved, right? There's going to be a significant portion in his signing bonus, which they talked about in this. And as much as that's like, well, of course he wants a huge signing bonus. What agent, what player does it, right? The agent's taking fees off of that. The player wants the money in his pocket now. But the truth of the matter is they want to be able to spread a chunk of this contract over the course of – you know, excuse me, spread a chunk of his – uh, signing bonus over a course of his contract so it creates more cap space so Chandler Jones who's a free agent this year you could sign him back Zach Ertz who's a free agent you could sign him back AJ Green free agent maybe sign him back you know there's all those decisions you've got to make James Connor free agent maybe you sign him back Christian Kirk like they got a lot of roster decisions to make and, and I actually think and, and maybe I'm just you know trying to defend the player here it's really reasonable. Like what he's done in his career, what they've done during his time since he's gotten there, they're all reasonable requests and this is how the organization in my opinion should be looking at this. They should be saying, let's extend him now so we can rework all these other contracts and make sure we bring some of these guys back and build on what we've built so far. Like am I seeing this wrong?
3: No, I think they it would be wise to try to create stability in the midst of everything that that has been taking place in terms of speculation for Arizona, I would agree with that sentiment. And I don't think it's unreasonable by my estimation. And another thing to think about is when you're talking about the whole desperation deal, well, maybe that now justifies or clears up why Kyler Murray scrubbed his his accounts, you know, and, and didn't have the picture showing or, you know, kind of the, the outward support of, of being an Arizona Cardinal, Maybe there was something that, you know, maybe that lack of response, maybe the, the response that they did get that was maybe not the response that they wanted, um, maybe it turned Kyler Murray off. And, and maybe that might have been why the, the results were the results with him in terms of his personal social media handles. But I, I think if you're Arizona, you're closer to being better than you are to being worse. And, and I think we all would attribute that to Kyler Murray being the quarterback of this team. We've seen when he's healthy and he's motivated and he's, he's playing well, this team goes as he goes. And, and so to me, even though they've tailspinned at the, the end of the season, I mean, I'd much rather be on a team that takes nosedives than a team that doesn't have the opportunity to get high enough to dive in the first place. So I mean, sometimes it's just all about relativity in terms of how you're you're looking at it from a vantage point of where you're at.
1: Where was the lie in anything that he said in the statement? Like, I can't find one. Everything he said was spot on. And so when I initially when I saw the the it come out, I just thought, well, that's kind of strange. Like, why why would he take this approach? And then I read through it and I thought, I can't find anything that he lied about there, there's nothing everything there is factual they were terrible when Kyler Murray got there they've improved every year they were in the playoffs last season uh, he's still improving as a player that is a fact he listed all his credentials this early in his career and then came up with a strategy that seemingly looks like it would make sense obviously you know who knows whether or not you know step by step they follow along with that I, w- I, w- I would doubt it but they at least put together a plan in place a solution this is what we're thinking, this is where we're at. We don't want to, you know, play this out and have rumors and reports. Uh, you know, Kyler did the whole scrub his social media thing, probably a regrettable moment. But the Cardinals also but came maybe back. Not, but, maybe it wasn't regrettable. But the, the Cardinals came back with some this report that came out where they, you know, threw him under the bus and uh, was oh, sources are saying he's a terrible teammate. He's this, he's this, and this. And the Cardinals just said, okay, here's what we actually are. We're a better organization now with Kyler Murray at quarterback than what you were before. That's a fact. Here's a plan that we have in place and this is where we stand with everything. I, I, just, I can't find the lie in anything he said. So when I saw people piling on and criticizing and I thought okay, it's a different approach but nothing he said was incorrect in the entire statement that See, I found.
2: You know what the only problem is about like, him and how much leverage he has? Because not just from what you're pointing out with the fact that he won Offensive Rookie of the Year as a, you know, his first year. He goes to two Pro Bowls after that. So you're looking at going, like, he's done his part. Statistically, he's gotten better. The team has gotten better every step of the way. Like, everything is building where you want it to go. But the other leverage point he has is baseball. But the problem is, unfortunately, we, we've got a baseball Yikes. where – I don't even know where, where that agreement's at at this point. But imagine if they weren't in a lockout. Imagine if you know, both sides had come to an agreement – now he's leveraging, I believe it's the Oakland Athletics who, who have his rights, yeah. and he could even be saying, well, you guys don't want me to go? I'll, just, I'll go play baseball. Like I'll, I'll literally go out there, play some baseball, we'll see how things go, and then we'll see if you want to sign me to a bigger deal. Maybe I'll just go back to doing that and go that route. So it, it is fascinating that I think he's doing all he can at this moment, but if there was a deal in place in baseball and we weren't in a lockout, Maybe they'd be utilizing that angle as well, but we haven't heard that yet.
3: I think one more point that should be pointed out is rookie contracts, that's still somewhat relatively new. And and basically what a rookie contract is is set for two things. One, because veterans don't want to feel like they're getting outdone by someone who hasn't done anything in the league yet. And two, it now becomes a safer investment having these guys slotted in yeah. terms of where they're at and in coming into the draft. For the owner. When we came into the draft, we were getting paid. If you are right. top top pick, number 1 pick, number 2 pick, you're getting paid right out of the gate. And and whether for win for loss, for good or for bad, you got a blockbuster deal and didn't even play one down in the league. So right. so now when you look at rookie contracts, if somebody's going into their third, fourth year of their first deal, and they're playing at the level that Kyler Murray is playing at. It should already be common sense justified that you should be working on their long-term deal because they've outplayed what it is that what was constituted in play to become the new way of of paying rookies. He's outplayed you know, a rookie contract.
2: That's why I mean the deals are too long. They're the first-round contracts. That's why you see teams trade back up in the, the back end of the first because they they identify a player that they're like, hey, I'd love to have that guy. On a four-year contract with a fifth-year option, and then if you think about that even further, they can control a guy like uh, Kyler Murray for six, seven years. Yeah, while while utilizing the franchise tags that are in place, a fifth-year <laughs> option, all those things—that's an entire career. That's crazy. That's, it, it is. That's an entire career. That's
1: double the average NFL career. That's double. I
2: mean, it, it's it's nuts. The one thing I'll say, and I don't. You know, it's it's a philosophical thing, but here's where the NFL NFLPA to me misunderstood the cause and effect of slotting the rookie draft salary pool, like how this would work. What happened was, because when you had guys like, for example, Sam Bradford was the last big contract, first overall pick, $50 million guaranteed, had never taken a snap in the NFL. And people are like, well, that's not justified or that's not deserved. But you know what happened to the middle class and other quarterbacks who, you know, they weren't necessarily the best. I want to say Matt Schaub was signing around that period of time. You know what happened with those guys? They would use those contracts as leverage, and they would go to the team and say, "This guy's getting paid this, and he hasn't done anything in the NFL yet, so I should at least be making close to that or or something in the ballpark of that and And so what it did was every single year, it allowed uh, the contracts at whatever position, right, whether it was a tackle or a d end or or a quarterback it kept inching up and inching up and inching up. And so every time those kept inching up, you had veteran players who would come back, and if they're at the top of their position, they're trying to get more than that. If they're, if they're a veteran guy who's average, he's going, well, look at what I've done. And this guy hasn't done anything. You've got to give me at least half or, or two-thirds of what that guy's getting. So I actually think, in theory, Slotting the rookie draft salary pool, it really did kill the middle class and the ability for veteran players to go and look at other contracts of guys who never did anything and use that as leverage. Be sure to catch
0: live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. On Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: Right now, uh, John Palmorosi joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio's MLB Insider, also with the MLB Network. He knows hockey. He knows soccer. He speaks fluid, uh, uh, fluent and uh, Italian Uh-oh. here on oh, the show. Okay. Uh, he was a big fan of the uh, Euro Cup one, uh, run for the Italian team last summer. JP, what's happening? It's been too long. How are we doing? Hello, sir.
4: Justin LaVar, it is always my pleasure to speak with you in the morning. Uh, you, you guys always do an outstanding show, yeah, so great I to be can... with you today, and, and let us hope, let us hope that this is the day that brings us baseball in 2022.
1: Okay, what, where do we stand on this potentially getting done? Because we were hearing about a Monday deadline, or else we were going to miss games. Now there's uh, they're supposed to meet at, what, 11 a.m. Eastern time, so uh, in a few hours from now, where do we stand on a potential season a start Starting on time with Major League
4: Baseball much more hopeful than we were 24 hours ago and there were some reports earlier yesterday that the tone of those meetings was not good and there was a good amount of pessimism in the game uh, until about maybe 3 or 4 p.m. and then things began to change there was some momentum uh, they were talking deep into the night and i think the key thing now a report from John Heyman who's on the ground there in in Jupiter Florida where the meetings are taking place John's report was that this morning, probably as we speak, and maybe a little bit later once people wake up (laughs) all across the country, is that the union was going to pull some members of their leadership to see what their response is, to the latest MLB proposal. So the the MLB has moved in the player's direction significantly in the last 24 hours in terms of uh, adding money to the pre-arbitration bonus pool, adding money to the uh, competitive balance tax threshold. There have been some pretty significant movements there. And now the question is, was it enough? Or will the union come back and try to, to get a little bit more uh, out of the process before uh, things certainly wrap up today? Uh, this, is, this has to be the day. There has to be some answers uh, as to where things stand as of this moment. And uh, here we are in the month of March. And it, it certainly, uh, again, the, the top-line point is a deal is not yet done, uh, not at all. Uh, there are still plenty of differences to be bridged in the next uh, few hours, we assume but at least they're talking about ways to bridge them as opposed to finger-pointing and negativity. This is a, a very fluid process, but it's one that has moved substantially in the right direction over the last 24 hours.
3: JP, in, in negotiation situations that come to the last moments as as this one is, is coming to, pressure mounts and people have to, to play the game of chicken masterfully to try to get what they want. they Now they may have gotten what they've already wanted by now um, in terms of the players and, and they might be fighting for more before they can see to what what's taking place. But who, who right now has more pressure on them? Seemingly it would be the owners. But if you really think about it, baseball is not America's pastime. Like it once was, um, and and now this is kind of maybe could turn into a turbulent situation for for players and, and organizations. So who has more pressure on them to make sure that they get a deal done?
4: You know, LaVar, that's an excellent question. I, I, I do think there certainly is pressure on each side. It's a, d- a different kind of pressure. Uh, I think with MLB, you're exactly right. Uh, we are at a moment here where... You look around uh, the, the sports landscape in our country and and while plenty of people have made parallels and, and mentioned and said well and in ninety five there was the work stoppage that had canceled the previous year's World Series, and eventually fans came back and and many fans did but America in 95 is different than America now. Uh, you look at just uh, baseball doesn't quite have the same cultural currency, candidly, now uh, than it did then, in terms of how many people are talking about it every day. Um, there are other things that, that uh, young Americans in particular uh, are, are engaging with more often now, whether it's uh, e-sports, video games, their phones, which didn't really exist in the same numbers back in the mid-90s. Right. So there's just a lot of relevancy that is at risk here. And I think if if MLB does not begin this season on time, the long-term damage to the product would be immense. Mm -hmm. And that is where I I do think there has been some awareness in the last 24 hours where the, the approach has changed a little. Because This cannot simply be, LaVar and Jonas, a question of how do I win the negotiation for dollars and cents in the month of April of 2022? That's, That's not a sufficient view to take here. It is how do we maintain baseball's place and hopefully grow it in different ways in the American sports consciousness and that is a harder thing to define and, and but by the way there will eventually be an economic cost if, if baseball loses that market share if you will and, and we all reflect on uh, you know how often in, in the course of your program uh, and, and, and others uh, on this network and during the course of the year uh, candidly football and basketball are, are discussed more often and so baseball has to to find a way to get itself back in that discussion and, 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 and relevant in a broad sense. And if they go away for a period of time, guys, I, I think the only word to use is the one the commissioner said, which is disastrous. It would be a disaster for the long-term health of what has been in the past America's national pastime.
1: He is uh, John Palmarosi joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Fox Sports Radio's MLB Insider, also uh, with the MLB Network. You can get him on Twitter, at John Rossi. Uh, Jonas Knox-Levar Arrington with you here on FSR. So, JP, when it comes to this situation, um, fans look at this, and we hear the old adage, well, it's billionaires fighting with millionaires. So it's hard to be sympathetic or hard to you know pick one side or the other as far as why this is happening. But for people out there that maybe don't know the the economic details of this whole thing like you do and don't know the back and forth maybe like you do when it comes to this negotiation and why we're at this point who deserves more blame for why this situation is where it's at is it the owners or is it the players union
4: I, I think there's there's blame that goes both ways, Jonas, but I'll, I'll say it's a little bit different kind of blame uh, for either one. I'll, I'll start by saying this. You mentioned the, the billionaires-millionaires dynamic. I, I think a very good point was made yesterday by Tom Verducci uh, on MLB Network that approximately 61%, while we talk a lot about the, the what the average salary is and how that number is so huge, Tom said 61% of Major League Baseball players made less than a million dollars last year. Now, so it's, there are certainly plenty of millionaires, Jonas, to your point, but they're not all millionaires. And so one of the most important numbers of all is that minimum salary number because right now it's around the 570 around $575,000 and and perhaps that number could grow into the high 6s or maybe even the low 7s depending on how things go and that's a huge deal that number for a lot of people in this game especially if you have a brief career matters a ton more than if the Dodgers can spend to 210 or 215 or 225 million dollars in the top end there are a lot of players and this is the player that I just can't I can't forget about now, and I keep reflecting and circling back on, the player who was just about to break through and make the major leagues at the end of the 2019 season. Well, we all know what happens in 2020. Minor league season is cancelled. Only 60 games at the major league level. Revenue's fundamentally changed. Then last year was sort of a stop and start kind of a year. Uh, certainly at the minor league level, it happened, but not it wasn't normal, and we all know that. This year, we're hoping to be normal, and so now we have this delay. So th- that play who was hoping to get significant money in the major leagues in in twenty twenty one and, and now twenty two is all in jeopardy and so th- that that player I keep thinking about where where that player's just hoping to have a career and if they can make seven hundred k let's say times three years even if they never get to uh, even if they never get to salary arbitration at least that that gets them or their, their gross number would be more than $2 million for their career, which is, which is significant. But again, we have to remember that's, that's maybe not enough money to retire on for the rest of your life. So there has to be some, some perspective on, on what the real economics are for the players making the minimum. And I really hope that, that these proposals reflect that a, a, an increase in the minimum salary, while not the sexiest number in the world, would make a huge difference in the lives of a lot of people who play baseball for a living.
3: All right, JP, I'm going to switch over to, to DJ. Um, and, and Jeter decides to step down. He he removes himself from it. He threw some shade at the Marlins as he rolled out. Now, there have been conversations as to the power struggle that took play, the shares and the money and all these different things. Can you clear it up for us? And, and obviously this lockout, has had an impact on what his decision was. Why now? Why Why does Derek Jeter step away and roll out now? Because you would think that a, a star of his caliber, maybe you wait until the lockout is over to walk away just to make sure of the things that we're discussing in terms of the health of the game. Why do it now where it's like the darkest moment, so, so to speak?
4: LeVar, that is a great question, and and it's a really unique story yesterday. I, I certainly – it was striking because, as, as you know, uh, the, the the negotiations now are happening at Roger Dean Stadium, which is where the Marlins train. So literally the epicenter of these negotiations where the union and MLB officials are going back and forth, walking all over the stadium, meeting with each other in different places – that is at one of the stadiums. That is at the spring stadium for the Miami Marlins. And and their president, CEO, one of the most beloved people in the game for the last century, uh, resigns yesterday in the middle of all this on deadline day. And a, a couple things. Number one, the timing. Yeah, it, it was it was surreal, Levar and Jonas. It was surreal. But I also think that Derek. A couple things had become, uh, according to many accounts here frustrated with perhaps his own relationship with Bruce Sherman, who was the owner of the club, uh, or the majority owner we could say, Um, and then also just the lack of of spending that he saw whether it was from the Marlins or other clubs, and a lack of reinvestment in trying to win. And and this strikes at the core of a lot of the issues right now that are facing the game, uh, that I I should have mentioned this earlier too, revenue sharing, and and if you are a, a smaller club like the Marlins are in terms of revenues, you get money from the larger clubs and revenue sharing. And there, there still has been a little bit of an issue, uh, both on the part of the larger market owners and even the players, to make sure that the people who are getting the revenue sharing money are being good stewards of it. And I, I really think that Derek was not fully satisfied with the efforts the Marlins were making to win. And so he, he walks away because, obviously, as we all know, Derek and his competitiveness, what winning means for him, uh, that is one of the most sacred things that he does in his, in his world, in his life, is is compete and compete to win. And it, it clearly his frustration has boiled over. And I do wonder if in the great retelling of this week, if years from now we have labor peace, and uh, to your questions earlier, if we have a, a better tomorrow for the sport, Do we look back and say maybe Derek's resignation was a wake-up call to both sides? They had to make a deal here, and that perhaps it sort of sparked the process? Maybe Derek resigned on that particular day at that particular time because he knew the ripple effect it would cause. Uh, It's very possible, and and perhaps one day in the retelling of this, we'll find out exactly what Derek's motivations were. But it was a fascinating day, a hard day for baseball to lose Derek Jeter in this capacity. But I do hope that he's back.
3: Man, that is a great response, man. I
1: mean, so so much there. It's uh, it's a uh, crazy time in baseball, man. And uh, JP, we appreciate it. Appreciate we know, you, uh, JP. You know you're uh, you know up at all hours trying to monitor along and, and stay up with uh, all this stuff that's happening. Uh, it's been a little chaotic, but we appreciate you popping on with us. Always a good chat. Get him on Twitter, at John Morosi. JP, you're the man. Thanks, buddy.
4: Jonas and my pleasure, my friends. Uh, uh, I right. appreciate the, the conversation. Can't wait for the next time. And Jonas, your, your kind words on the Italian team warmed my heart on this stressful morning. So so thank you for getting yeah. the, the conversation. That's so what I'm talking well
1: about. That's Bravissimo. what I'm talking about.
4: Bravissimo, amigo. Yeah,
1: I was just going to say that. There it is, uh, John Palmarosi. Uh, he's an MLB insider for Fox Sports Radio, the MLB Network. He covers the NHL. I mean, you name it, uh, no stone unturned when it comes to uh, John Palmarosi. Yeah.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Sometimes you can't get to everything in the world of sports or entertainment. Good thing the guys are here to bring you, in case
1: you missed it. And for that, we turn it over to our executive producer, <laughs> Lee. Lap. <laughs> That's right, you guys. In case you missed it, John Morant put on a freaking show last night. Two nights after setting a franchise record, he sets, he breaks his own records, putting up 52 points, including this buzzer beater from the Grizzly Radio Network. Take a listen.
0: Adams baseball pass, one of two. Morant catches oh. in oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. He oh caught it in midair. He caught it in midair and floated it up. In. You have got to be kidding me! John Morant is at an absolutely another level! A baseball pass caught in midair, redirected to the basket from 20 feet out! Oh my goodness! What are we witnessing? Greatness is not even an applicable description! Insanity! Otherworldly! Take them all, bag them up, and put a number twelve on it for John Morant.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, can I make a hot take here on this play? This inbounds pass by Stephen Adams to John Morant—greater inbounds pass than Hill to Leighton during the NCAA tournament years ago. A not not from the magnitude of it, but the actual degree of difficulty. Stephen Adams hitting John Morant in the corner and him turning around and hitting it at the buzzer. Unbelievable! One of the great plays you'll ever see. Second to uh, the uh, Levar leap. John ja Morant might be the best in
3: game dunker we've seen. Now Vince Carter has still has it. Dominique Wilkins is definitely in the conversation, but John ja Morant is making a really, really, really strong case for being. The most electrifying in-game
1: dunker. Plus, he's because he's smaller; it looks so much more emphatic. Like just and there's a, there's a violence to it as well. Like Dom- it's just explosive. Dominique Wilkins is That's, my favorite dunker of all time because it's explosive. Yeah, it was the two-foot dunk where you oh, oh, I, I love Dominique Wilkins, man. He was awesome, explosive, bro.
3: Yeah. But but Vince Carter, Vince Sanity is just it's still like. You still got to take a, a moment and stop and be like, man, for what Ja Moran is doing right now, if you think about what Vince Carter was doing, <laughs> like he was making like the dunk where he almost jumps over Kevin Love and he misses the dunk. That's a dunk that
1: Vince Carter makes. You know what I mean? But, like, And it, he's it, taller. Yeah, He is taller. There was a uh, conversation about uh, Zion or Ja Morant when they came out in the draft. Oh, I'm and, sure uh, that,
3: that uh, debate is getting uh, a little bit further apart.
1: Listen, I love Zion Williamson, but it's starting to look more and more like Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, like that. Kevin one, Durant too. Yeah, when they went oh, one and two oh, in the draft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels like we're uh, yeah. You know. I'm
3: about to say, or are you comparing like okay. no, 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 no. Like yeah, just,
1: yeah? It's it's just like you start doing comps to oh, the other yeah, guy. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. What else we got, Lee? You guys, the NFL has announced the Hall of Fame game this year at Canton. It'll be between the Jaguars and the Raiders, and it will be yeah. the debut for both Doug Peterson for the Jags and Josh McDaniels for the Raiders. Yeah, so that's the next NFL game, correct? That's correct. Uh, that's going to be August 4th. God, I can't wait the to Raiders gamble my ass off. No one but Berto will be watching that I'll, game. I'll watch Literally. it. Literally. Hey, Berto, who's playing in that game? Who's playing in that game, Birdo? Raiders, baby. Yeah, I will be watching it. The greatness of the Raiders. Hey, you know what could have made it more interesting, though? Two different teams. Well... (laughs) Oh, what an a-hole. <laughs> Sorry, Bert. Sorry. Here, here, here's Whoa. how you could have made it more interesting. Uh, just do a one-off and have uh, Gruden and Urban Meyer come back and coach these teams for I, one game. Now, I would watch that. <laughs> just, I would watch that. Yeah, bring back Gruden and Urban Meyer for one game each or, or, just for the Hall of Fame game. Or film them in a nearby bar <laughs> and see who right. see who wins that war. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, listen, I, I'm going to gamble my ass ass off for that game it's the next nfl game we got it's not until august come on man we got five months of non-football you're not gonna be excited for that Sticks? we'll be in different digs by then too huh <laughs> probably not no It'll oh, oh pride, you know, huh? hey I mean, listen with the way we behave in this studio you think they're letting us anywhere else uh, <laughs>
3: um i don't know
1: <laughs> after the performance you just put on during the break pal uh, Yeah. I mean, Bruh. we'll have to be
3: much more aware from what I hear. <laughs> we literally like the only ones in this building. Like, yeah. literally. Like, we can't Nobody walk in <laughs> We can't walk in here. Fire alarm is going off. Nobody cares. Security guard is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anything goes at this spot. I ain't telling y'all uh... to come mess with us or anything like that, but I'm just saying you can do whatever you
1: want to do here. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. this is We redefine uh... the office. Tell yes, you that. it is. Uh, it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, very strange what is happening. Uh... Fox
0: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.